weekly waits Will goes on dates and Hayes is late But we're still mates and as of late We educate and postulate about the gym I lift more than both of you combined Oh yeah, this is Weekly Waits with Alex and Will Blammy I'm saying that every podcast until I forget. Um, it's Weekly Weights. It's episode number... 69. 69. I'm Will Berkman. With me is Alex Hayes. And today's episode is called... High and Low Frequency Strength Block Programming Comparison. That's a mouthful. I might, I might have to abbreviate that to like... H-A-L-F-S-B-P-C... When I just put it up on Podbean and iTunes, what do you think? People will know what that means. A little bit confusing. <laughs> a little bit confusing. We'll, we'll refine that title, but the idea of today's episode is that Alex and I are going to compare two programs that I wrote for a hypothetical lifter. And why did you have to write them, Will? I had to write them because Alex and I played Scissor Paper Rock live on air last week when we were talking to Jess Sewastenko, and I lost. Um, always lose. I do. I do. It's because I do rock every time that I do scissor paper rock, so I'm very predictable. Um, I lost. I wrote two programs, and I say it's for a hypothetical lifter. It's not really. It's for it's for hypothetical lifters of a given strength level. Um, so I've got two templates. I've <clears throat> I've on an Excel spreadsheet got a template outline saying roughly what the movement slots are on the two programs, and then I've actually got a four week block written for both of them. If you're on our mailing list, you should have received it already, so check your junk mail if you haven't found it in your inbox. If you're not, join the mailing list and then shoot me an email because... or In fact, you don't even have to shoot me an email because in about four or five days, I'm just going to trigger another batch of emails to new people on the mailing list. So check it out, um, and yeah, hopefully you'll enjoy it. Alex, do you want to just give us a rundown of what's going on? I feel like we've glossed over the fact that it's episode 69 a little bit. Okay, do you want to talk a little bit more about episode 69, or can we just... I was hoping you would have some jokes. Look, I don't want to turn this podcast upside down from the get-go. I want to just you know, get straight into the nitty-gritty, and you know maybe we can flip things up a little bit later and tell some jokes. What do you think? Well, just like the other 69s in life, I often wonder... How did I end up here? <laughs> That's actually pretty good. Did you spend much time at home thinking of that at one? At least an hour. Right. When you said the the podcast title was a mouthful, I was like, "That's pretty funny." But <laughs> episode sixty nine, mouthful. Okay, let's get away from the pure old jokes and into the programming comparison. Considering yeah, so our only two confirmed listeners are our mums, <laughs> we probably want to leave the innuendo at the door. So um, we've got a hypothetical intermediate lifter. Um, best lifts of squat 200, bench 130, deadlift 235. Um, so yeah, we would, you have considered him to be an intermediate. Yes. What level of an intermediate, like how, how many years into the intermediate phase would you say? I don't know. This might be somebody who's been lifting for a couple of years, maybe three, like, you know, so early, mid intermediate. I mean, if, if this person were an 80, 83 or 85 kilo lifter, or, you know, a 93 or 94 kilo lifter, you'd consider them, you know, somewhat, somewhat, of, somewhat of, an, of an early intermediate. If they're like a 70 or 74, they're a pretty decent lifter, um, you know, but by no means world class. So, you know, a couple of years into the lifting journey. Um, and like you said, you've called it one hypothetical lifter. I would more say these, these 
templates would suit two lifters, like two different archetypes of lifter. Who, yeah. But I've written them presuming the same level of strength between them. Yeah, so we'll go into um, who each program suits later. Mm-hmm. So let's just start off by um, running through the just the outline of each of the two programs. So let's start with the low-frequency template. Do you want to just run through the days and the layout of the different lifts we do on the different days? Sure. So for both templates, this is just for the sake of ease, I've elected to write them as four-day training programs. Um, so if you're looking at the Excel spreadsheet we've sent to you, you can literally click on template outline and that's where you'll find the outline of the templates. Um, that seems like a good place <laughs> yeah, to put the it. template outline. Yeah, exactly. Um, so on the left, low frequency template, four days of training. And I, I've also written the exact frequency of the lifts of, at the top. So two squats, one deadlift, two bench presses. And what I've written is an outline of what would be a really classic just upper lower um training split and this is probably the type of things if you listen to maybe not exactly but at least semi-close if you listen to interviews with people like bill kazmaier and ed cohen and stuff um when they talk about the training they might have done back in the day it was often a really simple upper and lower split where there was a heavy and light squat and deadlift and a heavy heavy and light bench press day with upper body accessories so that's more or less what i've written so day one's your main squatting day it's got a unilateral leg exercise um a hamstring or hip hinge accessories that's in lieu of any deadlifting quad exercise and some abs day two has main bench press secondary bench variant um some back work and accessory pressing and arms day three has light squats deadlift a deadlift accessory quad exercises and some abs and then i wrote day two but i mean day four has a secondary bench press, some more back and non-specific pressing, and some more arms. You've totally just copied that. Like, you've copied the whole day yeah. four and then changed the... Absolutely. <laughs> Training programming hack. Don't just copy the days. Copy entire blocks. Client to client, week to week, the whole thing. Just cut, paste, send it through. And when they say there's a mistake here, I think it should be blah. You say, oh, yeah, yeah, change your spreadsheet for me. And bam, that's money in the bank. That's how we do it. Um... I often use the the duplicate tab thing down the bottom on Google Sheets. Duplicate tab? I've yeah. never done that. I'll show you after. Oh, my clients it's are going to get some increasingly so not good. customized programming now that I know that's a function. But yeah, I did actually exactly copy the upper body day from day two um, into day four and then just changed a couple of the exercise slots around because it's more or less the same thing. And you can see there's also not a secondary bench variant because that's your secondary pressing day. So again, if you look at look at, at least the articles detailing the programming that people like Kazmaier and Ed Cohen and stuff would have done, on their secondary secondary pressing day, it was usually very bodybuilding work. And, you know, so on their first day, they might have had like a heavy bench set and then a whole bunch of back off bench work. On their other day, they might have done a whole lot of volume on like an incline press or a close grip bench press. And then closer to comp, that just turns into straight light work. So that's that's roughly the template of the, template of the low frequency one. Shall I do the same for the high? Yeah, yeah, go through that. Okay, so right next to it's the high frequency template. Four days a week of training, three squats, two deadlifts, four bench presses. So this is almost exactly the... Oh, this is a modification, I should say, of the basic template that I use with people. Um, so with an additional squat. So day one's your main squatting day, and that's followed by moderate bench and some upper body accessories. So horizontal pull, accessory press, and tricep and upper back superset. So that might be, as in like 
push downs and face pulls when I say upper back here. Day two is secondary deadlift, easy bench, some leg accessories, so unilateral, hamstring, ab and lower back work. Day three is a secondary squat with your main benching, some secondary bench work, a little bit of back and some triceps. And then day four is your easiest squat. And I wrote non-specific press or easy bench. That would just depend on the lifter. Your main deadlift, so this is a squat bench deadlift day. And then usually after the main deadlift, I might throw in a little bit of hamstring accessory and either ab or upper back or bicep work and stuff, depending on the lifter or nothing at all. Again, just depending on the lifter. Um, but yeah, that's that template. Cool. So uh, let's compare the two now, mm-hmm. just for for more context. Yeah. Um, so I just did some maths on the total volume and the percentages and stuff like that. So are we looking at the actual programs that I wrote now or just the template The itself? actual programs that you wrote. Okay, so if anybody is looking at the spreadsheet now, you can click on example intermediate lifter. All right, let's look at it. I really hate your program layout. Can I like go in and edit it and make it look better? Yeah, before we send it out to you, we'll make it look beautiful. Okay, Alex, go on. Um, okay, so... You did some maths. So we did... So you've already mentioned the frequency... Um, low frequency, two times per week squat, two times per week bench, mm-hmm. one time per week deadlift. Yep. And in the high frequency, three times per week squat, four times per week bench, and two times per week deadlift. Yep. So we'll go on to volume. Um, so a total sets of squats is nine sets in the low frequency. Yep. Uh, for 47 total reps. Yep. And in the high frequency, it's 13 sets for 63 total reps. What was the difference? How many reps? 16 total reps difference. Yeah. Okay. Um, and an extra four sets. Oh, okay, that makes that's sense. So the addition is the four, four by four. That's a four sets of four, yeah. Yeah. Um, and the bench press in the low frequency is 14 sets yep. for 97 total reps, and I've included a close grip in that. Yeah, that's fair enough. Um, not as accessory work. Um, and in four bench press, it's 18 sets for 111 total reps. So what were so the differences an, in sets? An extra... Four sets. Again, 16 reps, four sets, yes. Yeah, another yep. four by four. Yep. Although it's a slightly different layout, but we'll go into that later. Yeah. Um, the deadlift is six sets and 18 total reps in the low frequency, so that's six sets of three. Yeah. And in the high frequency, it's 10 sets for 38 total reps. So it's, it's again, that's six sets of three, but we've added in the, I think it's a four by six. Yeah. Oh, no, four by five deficits. Right. Cool. So in percentage terms, what is it? So the squat has increased by about nearly 50% in volume, mm, although it's no. easy sets. Yeah, 9 to 13, so 4.5 is half of 9, but it's but it's four easy sets. Mm. So we'll get into that into the nitty-gritty. Bench has increased the least. It's only really up about 30%, and deadlift has increased probably the most, hasn't it, going from 6 to 10, so... You know, over 50% increase in deadlift volume and the secondary deadlift day in this one is by far like as in it is the hardest additional volume you know the additional squat volume is an easy squat day the additional bench volume is relatively easy stuff it's technique work mostly mm-hmm. yeah so although the we'll get into this in a little bit I, yeah. won't, I won't talk about this now but the 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 squat you've changed to a high bar on one of the other days so it's actually like probably more difficult than the secondary low bar day on the low frequency program. Yeah, that's true as well. Anyway. All um, right. Intensity. Yep. So in the low frequency and the high frequency program, the peak intensity is 87.5%. Yep. Which is a triple. Yep. Um, bench press is 
slightly heavier on the low frequency, um, peaking at 92%. Yep. And the uh, higher frequency is peaking at 90%. I'm curious why there's a difference there. Uh, between the low and high frequency ones? Yeah. So the difference... So Alex is talking about the peak intensity, which on the low frequency template is day two, the two by two, that ramps up to as high as... 92 um, 80, yeah. 92% up to yeah. yeah up to 120 possibly in a testing week and the other one caps out just 2.5 kilos lower yeah. it's 2.5 kilos lower across the board and the reason is because the frequency is higher so in the case of the low frequency bench presser they have really concentrated stress and that means they do a decent bit per session but they also have more recovery per session um, that they come in in the case of the higher frequency bench presser they do only a little bit more volume, but because there's less space between each burst of volume, you can't expect them to necessarily be as recovered for the hardest day. So I wouldn't ask them to perform the same the same total difficulty of the work. And the same pattern, I'm sure you're about to bring this up, but the same pattern's actually repeated when you look at the squat and deadlift on their main loading day. So in the low frequency example, the squat's pretty much the exact same, except that they're doing sixes in their rep work. Um, because they just have, they have, you know, their three by six or four by six on their main day and then easy squats on the other. Whereas in the high frequency example, they squat three times a week. The secondary squat is actually still kind of tough. And so they've got fives at the exact same intensity just to leave a little bit more in reserve, but expose them to the same, same intensities. And I believe I did pretty much the same thing on deadlifts. I think the triples are just five kilos lighter across the board on their main deadlift day. So day three in the low frequency template and day four in the high frequency template, the deadlift triples are five kilos lighter in the high frequency one, um, both because they're doing more total deadlifting. So they have that that secondary deadlift day, which is still pretty hard work. And because those deadlifts follow squats. So the accommodations to how hard the exercise are, are just made in light of the total amount of work they're doing and the amount of fatigue I expect them to have when they are performing that session. But on a person by person basis, and actually Alex, you can probably shed some light on this from your own experience on a person by person basis those differences might be much bigger or much less right Mm -hmm, definitely so actually that's a really interesting question just to tease out because i don't even know what i think about it um when you have people who can chew through a decent amount of work across a week right and you know they can show up and actually squat three or four times if you want them to but with each amount like with each little bit of squatting that you add to them their ability to do hard work decreases when do you start making the call to yourself that actually it's worth consolidating things for this person and letting them push as opposed to saying, we'll get another few sets of squats in, but everything's going to have to be easier as a result? Well, I think it dep- I think you have to use the main loading session as like the one that indicates um, whether they're properly recovered or not. Yeah. So if you're pushing their main session and then potentially pushing a secondary session as well, and then their main session starts to suffer, then it's probably... Mm-hmm. A little bit too much on that secondary session yeah um but if you do have again like the same thing applies with having two or three sessions or even three or four sessions you're gonna if you have four sessions of squats probably have two that are main loaded Mm. and if those other two lighter ones progress a little bit too fast and then affect the main loaded ones then it's probably time to pull back on those secondary ones so the way I think of going from two to three sessions, like I more or less agree in premise. The way I think of going from two to three sessions is usually 
when I'm like, this person needs more work than I think I can productively give them in two sessions, I'll step them up to a third. But often in doing so, I reduce the difficulty of the second session initially just to accommodate the fact that I'm asking them to do more and more frequently, which is, again, what we're sort of talking about happening in this example. But, but again, if I do that, and like you said, the main loading day starts to be affected, then I either have to make the tertiary day easier, reduce the difficulty of both of them to accommodate it, or say, actually, this isn't, this isn't worth doing. So often other factors come into consideration, like am I putting this third day in for technical work or technical practice? And usually that's why those days become something like a pause squat or a pin squat or tempo or something, which also means I can pull the weight back more. But like, am I doing it for that purpose? And is it actually helping? Or is the extra f- fatigue from it interfering with how they perform on their main day? Or am I doing it for the sake of just getting through more volume? And is that volume actually causing a detriment to their performance when I put it there? So can I not just jam it in in something even less specific on a main day, like give them more leg extensions or something, you know? Yeah, I think that's how I'd think about it. I think the first like justific- or reason for justification needs to be like, why is it in there in the first place? Mm. Like if it's in there because you need to get in more work, then it has to be like actually more work. Yeah, of course. But if if it's just in there for like a technical purpose, you can probably start super duper light where it won't interfere at all. Yeah. But again, at some point technique, if it's so easy that it doesn't actually make it hard for you to do the technique right or give you feedback when yeah, you fuck up, then it's not technique work. Yeah, it's yeah, just squatting a broomstick, yeah, you know? Yeah, agreed. Which is BS. So anyway, See, I, to answer I, your question, I don't know. I would tend to um, add sets across the harder session mm-hmm. instead of adding an extra day in. But at what point do you get to doing like 10 sets of five and go, oh, fuck, that's quite a bit, you know? I mean, if you just sell Stenko, yeah, you say, exactly. oh, we're just warming up, aren't we? Let's go. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah She's like, a I've, tough nut. She I've, offered Alex and I to train with her immediately after that podcast, and I've never seen two people backpedal so quickly. We were like, oh, oh I'd really love to, but I'm, I'm dealing with some injuries. <laughs> nah, we'll get Jess. We'll go have a session with Jess soon, and that'll be the end of Weekly Weights. Um yeah, sorry, what were you saying? You add sets to the main session. At what point do you say it's too hard? Yeah, that's that's an interesting question. I don't know. I, don't, I haven't actually like encountered that yet. Yeah. I think if you can but push But you those... must have a sensibility meter that stops yeah. you doing that, right? Yeah, I guess. Like, I don't think I've ever given seven sets of squats in a session before, like in one given session. So I've done that to myself. I've done six, like yeah. six hard sets, but yeah. no more than that. But again, when I was doing that, I was squatting twice a week. And my second squat day was markedly easier, you know? So, like, so, again, there was an accommodation there so that I could get through those seven sets. Mm. Anyway, to answer the question that must be on everyone's mind, no one knows. Yeah, Literally so I, no I guess, like, w- the whole point of what we're saying is that with an increase in frequency, something else has to give. Like, we can't increase all variables at once. No. So, in the instance of um, the bench press taking a bit of an intensity hit in this from low to high frequency example um, the reason that it has taken a little bit of a hit is because we are you know we have more fatigue over across the week mm. so we need, to, we need to pull something back but I'm going to add to that actually hot take and it was a hot take was it a hot take because it wasn't controversial what was what you said just then no not at all it was just a take I'm going to add to it's that it's not even a take <laughs> it was a takeaway. I guess <laughs> okay I'm going to add to that takeaway two things one is that exactly mirrors the phase-specific considerations that Alex and I have spoken about in other episodes, like the programming of the one, because as we push things up towards a peak, both of us advocate pulling back on your easier days or at least making them comparatively more easier. <laughs> 
um, so that you can push your hard work up, right? Because something has to give to allow you to peak, to peak appropriately. And the second, second part of that is that when you are peaking people coming from a high frequency base as opposed to this low frequency, because your training is less pulsatile by nature, like it's dispersed, and so you've had to you've had to make things slightly easier across the board. The peaks aren't as high, and the troughs, or they might be low, but the troughs aren't as low by comparison. You then need to think about that even more, and that's one of the reasons why sometimes people do drop frequency away a little bit in the last part of a peak as well to facilitate that. But if you are going to go into a peak in higher frequency, almost always having some type of a bigger peak and trough that you build into your training is going to be doubly important, so that you can allow or so you can get a like if there is suppression i should say of your performance in training by virtue of you doing higher frequency and being a little bit tired you need to make sure that that suppression is more or less gone away by the time you have peaked your athlete so you can expose them to high enough intensities in training that makes sense the way i said it yeah definitely another way to think about it is like what are those light days in there for yeah they're in there to freshen up technique promote active recovery etc yep. make you feel better yep. if they are too hard that you actually feel worse afterwards then it's, it's too hard in a peak yes correct yep. but in this instance our lighter days at least in the high frequency example are in there to promote adaptation and mm. so then back to the first part of this discussion at some point you have to say is the extra training I'm doing actually hard enough to get the benefits that I want from it if it's not can I consolidate this extra work elsewhere in my program or what other changes can I make because there is an inevitable give and take when we change frequency and, and that's the crux of this whole episode and even in the even in this example for like the pause squat for instance or even the bench the third session that you're adding in for the squat is the that light pause squat yeah which is like really really easy yeah it's Again, pretty easy it's doing those things that I just mentioned earlier yeah it's not like super overloading or super difficult it's not promoting no. much adaptation no just like the feet up pause bench fit up long pause bench yeah it's an easy it's like 70 percent right same thing yeah all right so let's go back to your questions you were talking intensity and you asked why the peak intensity differences and i explained and then i also mentioned the relative intensity differences on on the volume work on the main days um while we're on intensity should i should i cover the progression from first to last week is that your next question no i didn't even I, i thought it was pretty um pretty basic to be honest i didn't yeah. even have that in my questions Look, but yeah go for it okay it's pretty basic to be honest and it's probably not <laughs> even worth having any questions <laughs> um but uh, look on all of your main loading days there is a top set or in the case of bench two top sets um and then just some back off volume work and it progresses from fairly easy to fairly tough the only thing that's probably noteworthy is something that i've got in week four of this program that i've gotten more in the habit of doing particularly in like building phases between comps where I give people a little bit more leeway in what their top sets are going to be in the final week of a block. And rather than rather than like taking a dedicated week for testing, if you give somebody like RIR bounds and say, hey, like, you know, if things are feeling really good, let's push next week's triple. Say in the case of the squad, if you did a triple at 165 in week three, and I said, hey, that was really great. Next week, we're going to do another triple and it's going to be either 165 again or a bit more depending on how you feel. I'd be happy for you to go up to 175, just make it look clean. Then you get a lot of the benefits of testing, which is some some sort of indication of how they've progressed um, at the end of that block without having to take a full week off to do it. And because you haven't also tapered as well, you're really seeing, you're really seeing the immediate imp- um, performance 
immediate performance improvements that you have accrued from that block despite their being fatigued rather than peaking them so that they can just go full ham on testing and give you an indication of their training abilities that might not necessarily reflect what they can do on any given week of training. So that's why those ranges are there at the end of the block. It's, it's, it's me saying to this athlete, okay, let's see what we've actually netted from this block. Is it worth repeating? Is everything about right? Or do we need to make changes? Yeah? Yeah. Cool. All right, next All right. question. Um, so we'll go into the specificity of um, both programs. Mm-hmm. So essentially, which variations you've decided to choose for which um, programs. Yep. And we'll go into some reasoning as well. So we'll start with low frequency. Uh, the squat is twice per week. Yep. All sets comp specific. Yep. Um, and in the high frequency, we have three times per week squat. We have five sets of low bars, four sets of high bars, and four sets of poor squats. Uh, I'm curious why we've got high bars and poor squats rather than a secondary low bar and one or one or the other. Um, to invert that question, in the low frequency example, there's no pressing reason why your easy squat to me couldn't be a high bar squat or something. And again, when I like, if I refer back to those like classic programming strategies, oftentimes in general training that would be a high bar or something like that because it serves the general purpose and it also reduces the load on the bar. So that could totally be there. In this instance, I just wrote it as a normal squat just to highlight the contrast in difficulty um, because this is a low-frequency example where they've got one overloading squat session and then one squat session that's deliberately easy prior to their main deadlifting session. So it's really like one and a half squats, mm-hmm. one hard, one very easy. Yep. In the case of the higher-frequency example, we've got somebody who's doing an overloading squatting session that's day one. And then they do high bar squats and that's, you know, genuine work. It might not be killing them, but it's still like going to be a lot of RPE six to eights on day three. So proper work on a variation that's just general base building. And then easy work, that's the pause squat on day four on the next day. Um, so in that instance, were they to have another squat on day three, like another competition squat, I would want it to still be comparably difficult to day one, just maybe minus the top set with a different rep range. So, you know, was I doing that, I might have to make day one slightly heavier and have them doing lots of fours and then day three be them doing sixes and sevens or something like that of comparable but just slightly easier difficulty. And I think it's probably more more elegant to do a secondary squat, like a high bar that lets you get a bit of that undulation of intensity in naturally just by being a like a load limiting variation and still address the the needs of the athlete in terms of building strength does that make sense yeah so i also presume that that pause squat slot could be like a tempo squat or something else yeah totally that could be almost anything in fact that would be a really good one if you wanted actual easy technique work to just make another easy squat that's what i meant by um that's what i meant by that being the slot where we would put in some sort of work dedicated at technical yeah for sure that could be just about anything that yeah basically promotes something of the technique that you want yeah cool so um we'll go on to the deadlift sorry bench press okay bench press you asked about the three count pause bench no no, i'll I'll go through the specificity so first program the lower frequency we have two sessions of bench one of them is um all comp bench yep and the second is a top set of comp bench, four sets of touch and go bench, and then three sets of close grip bench. Yep. 
Um, and I'm talking about the number of sets in the final week. So if you're yeah, yeah. if you're okay. getting the wrong numbers, go to week four. Yep. Um, and in the high frequency, we have four bench slots. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've got seven total sets of pause bench, which is the same as the first one. Four sets of touch and go, which is the same as the first one. Uh, four sets of feet up, two count bench, and three sets of incline. So I guess the differences there are there's no close grip bench in the second program. Uh, no, there should be. Um, it's there is close grip bench. It's on day three. Oh, and it's close it. grip bench to a board. Did you miss that in your uh, volume calculations I as well? Missed it. Oh, t- tell you what, guys, if that doesn't just sum up what it's like working on this podcast, then I don't know what does. Honestly, okay. how are we meant is to believe anything on, you remember. say? It's the same number. Let me it's add three it. sets. Yeah, let me add. It's three sets of ten. Yeah, three sets of six to ten. Okay, so I need to add this. Okay, but the the what's the question? Well, I can talk while you do your maths again. <laughs> okay, let's go back to. This is because my program template's ugly, isn't it? 100%. (laughs) I was like squinting trying to fucking add these numbers up. You know that you can zoom in on Excel, Alex. You don't just have to zoom out, copy-paste whole spreadsheets and send them to 50 clients at the time. Yes, but if you zoom in, you've left the fucking column so wide when there's one number in there that you'd like... Come on. Schnurgums. You could have written the program yourself. I couldn't, but I won Sizz Paper Rock, so I sucked in. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so what's the question? (laughs) Um... Okay, I was going to ask why you took out close grip bench, but you didn't. Yeah, so. suck it. No, I thought of that one, didn't I? Um, okay, so you've added in you've added in incline bench, mm-hmm. and you've added in feet up two count pauses. Yep. Uh, what's the purpose of these? Okay, so, so we've got moderate bench on... This is high frequency example. Moderate bench on day one, so that's paused followed by touch and go work. Um, day two is the feet up bench. So that's a technique variation, just like the pause squat. And you can see the loading's really easy. So feet up benches with a long pause at like about 70%, um, 70, 72%, um, or 85 to 87 kilos for somebody with a 130 bench. Super easy. And then day three is your hardest bench. So the reason that, actually the reason that feet up is there will make more sense when I then say day three has all the accessory pressing work. And then day four has pressing in a different plane, so incline bench, although that day might also, in other cases, be something like an overhead press or another technique day if someone really needs it. Now, the reason that feet up bench press is on day two, the technique day, is because you have moderate bench on day one, so if you do too much pressing volume after that, you have the risk of being fatigued for your hardest bench day, which is day three. If I put the pressing in another plane there, because that's more volume work, you again have the risk of accruing more fatigue than you want for your hardest bench day. So I put my easiest bench day in that slot, and it's deliberately super easy. So that effectively means if you train Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, or something like that, then you essentially have Monday to Thursday off difficult benching, um, and you know basically Tuesday to Thursday off any benching at all. Whereas were that inclined bench, you'd be you'd actually be only having two days off doing a decent amount of bench volume. That's the only reason that's there. And likewise, the reason the pressing in another plane follows the day three, which is where you do your most pressing and your most specific pressing, is so that if you are fatigued and your performance is impaired a bit on that, it matters the least because you're just jamming in a little bit of extra volume in a movement that's pretty far removed from the comp one. That's why. Sweet. Um, okay, so... We've added in three sets of incline and four sets of uh, feet up bench. Yep. But you've only taken away three sets of accessory pressing. Yeah. Why is there more total 
compressing volume in the second program. Yep. Is there an and? No, that was lacking in inflection. That Yeah, the inflection on that was really <laughs> ambiguous, guys. I want you to rewind that. What? And imagine what my face looked like just waiting for Alex to finish his question. Looks as dumb as your face always fucking looks. <laughs> Speaking of dumb faces, my dog Digby is sitting right next to Alex and I, staring forlornly at us, saying, why do you two fight every week? I don't have any food. Okay, so the question is, why is there more pressing? The reason there's more pressing is the same as the reason why when we get to squats and deadlifts, you'll say there's a little bit more squatting and deadlifting. And that is because frequency... Frequency is inextricably tied to volume, or at least it should be. Um, the main benefit of higher frequency training is that it allows you to accrue more work over the week and more quality work. And if you are consolidating, or sorry, I should say, if you are moving from about two days a week frequency, which in the literature seems to be about all most people need to maximize most of their muscle and strength adaptations in simple movements, if you're moving from that to more than that, then the only really good reason to do it is to allow you to get more hard work in. And if you could just consolidate it to a couple of days, then it makes your training much easier to go in and do because doing just lower body in a day takes a lot less warming up and mobility than you know than lower and upper body and same for upper body. So, oh my god, the Jason, <laughs> Jason Genova, Genova. Shout out, shout out, Jason, sickening. Um, so yeah, the reason there's more pressing, the reason there's more pressing in the high frequency example is because the whole purpose of doing high frequency is to actually let you get through more work. Um, and so the reason I haven't taken away a lot of stuff is because the type of lifter that this high frequency example suits is somebody who can get through more total work, does recover well, and has more time to spend in the gym, so can do more, basically. Yeah. So if we compare the two programs, uh, the bench sets in the low frequency, including accessories, is 20 sets, mm-hmm. and in the other one is 24 sets. So it's really not like a huge amount of difference yeah. over the week. No, not a massive difference, but you should probably also mention there's a difference in how much of that is difficult. Yeah. Yeah, go on. Okay, so um, deadlift specificity. First program, just once a week deadlifting. Mm-hmm. Um, six sets of three, and that's it. Yeah. One, one top set of three, five back off sets of three. Um, and in this, in the higher frequency program, we have two times per week deadlift, the exact same session, um, but I believe it's a little bit lighter. Yeah, five kilos lighter on the rep work. Yep. Um, and the secondary day is four sets of five deficit deadlifts. Yep. Um, why have you chosen deficits, first of all? Second part of the question, could this be replaced with a lighter comp deadlift or like some, some other variation? Mm-hmm. Um, third part of the question how hard should this session be do you remember good, that one no good, <laughs> good inflection on that one that one it was really obvious when third part of the question was the end do you so remember the first part the was, first question was why is that deficits that why deficits yeah Great. so why deficits um, because in this example I just went for something that is like a good all round base building strength exercise so that more or less answers the second question which is could this be light competition deadlifts or any other variation could it be light competition deadlifts absolutely and depending on the athlete that you have that might suit their needs better so in our high frequency example here i'm presuming somebody with good recovery capacity that can do lots of work but if they sat somewhere between the archetype of the low frequency example which might be somebody who doesn't recover from 
a lot of hard work very well and can only deadlift once a week. If they sat somewhere between that and the I can deadlift heaps and feel great archetype that I've more or less written for here in the high frequency one, then it might be better that that was a light competition deadlift because that would still mean they got got a little bit of extra deadlift volume in, but it wouldn't be as hard and as recovery intensive. Deficit deadlifts can be really hard on your back and for a lot of people doing a high amount of volume of them, particularly separate from your main deadlift day when you then have to recover in time to do hard work can be a bit much. So could you replace it? Absolutely. Depending on who it is, it might suit them better. Likewise, depending on who it is, it might suit them better to do a pause deadlift or a block pull or have you know just some Romanian deadlifts or something on that day. Any of them could be fine and viable, depending. Um, do you have another question? There was a third part to that one. Part three was how hard should this secondary uh, day be? Oh, well, I basically answered that too. Depending on the depending on the needs of the athlete, as hard as they can tolerate. So we've mentioned on a few episodes of the podcast that I can tend to deadlift pretty well, or at least I used to be able to. Now I just get tired and bored. <laughs> um, but I used to deadlift. I used to be able to deadlift pretty hard twice a week. So I could have. It's because you actually have a job now. Yeah, I know it's fucked. It's it's the worst. Thank God I still live at home with my parents. eh? Um, If I had to bloody cook my own dinner every night, God, they'd be dramas. Um, Cut off five sets immediately. Yeah, exactly. Um, So back, you know, back when I, you know, barely worked and was at uni all the time, I could do two sessions of deadlifting that were both really hard in a week and be totally fine and happy. Um, now I can do during strength blocks one moderately hard session and one actually hard session just fine but if yeah if you're not like me then that session might have to be a bit easier if you're like me yeah if you're like Alex like if I was writing this program for Alex and I decided to give him the high frequency one which I think you'd survive then the disparity between the easy and hard deadlift sessions especially would be far greater Mm -hmm. yeah but the bench ones might almost be narrower you can do a pretty good lot of bench can't you yeah yeah, I'd probably leave it as about is for bench. Anyway, um, also, next question. big shout out to Johnny Eustace. What about him? He just saw my Instagram with the hypothetical lifter. And guess what his maxes are? Ready for this? Yeah. 203. Yeah. 127. 235. Same total. Really? Far so out. Basically, Johnny, this is for you. Yeah, Johnny, you've you got can, eight weeks of programming. You can stop, yeah, you can stop, um... You can stop coaching and you can do this for Actually, eight weeks. I would love this. Get Johnny to do the first four weeks. He would and then fucking immediately... die on the high frequency. He's the he has the worst work capacity and most terrible recovery capabilities I've ever seen. Oh, I was gonna say do both and see which one works. He better. will fucking die doing hundred and forty bench reps a week. Oh sorry, bro, don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> Alright. This is why you still need coaching, even when beautiful templates like this are freely available to you as a listener of Weekly Weights. <clears throat> okay, what's the next question? Alright, so we're gonna go into <clears throat> the accessory total number of accessory sets. So I haven't added up the arm the arm work, the ab work, or the back work. Okay. So we're just talking about specific to the individual lifts. Sure. So in the lower frequency example, we have six sets of squat accessory work. Mm-hmm. So we've got three unilateral sets and three sets of quad work. Um, and in the higher frequency, we have taken away the three sets of quad isolation work, and we just have the three sets of unilateral for the quads. Um, but we also have to keep in mind that we've added in four sets of squats. Yep. Those those four light poor squat sets. Yeah. Um, do you want to go through the rationale behind that? Why are we taking away the quad isolation work? 
uh, pretty yeah. much for the reason that you said. We already like we already have additional quad work, and what's more, it's from squats, which is harder than leg extensions. You don't need more. And if anything, you've put more emphasis on the quads, adding in the high bar session. Yeah. Although, I mean, you could make the argument, or this is actually a discussion we had off air, that for certain people, you know, if you're doing the high frequency one, literally because you just can handle more volume, there's no reason you couldn't also do more. So the reason these are templates is because these are then the basis upon which you would make modifications depending on the person you have in front of you. So it's possible you could do the quads too, but I wouldn't feel the need to start with that. Uh, in what in what world would you take away the unilateral work and keep the quad work, keep the isolation quad work in? Um, I'm I'm not sure immediately. The reason the reason I would be more reticent to take the unilateral stuff away is because I think it serves purposes outside of just strengthening the quads like it also strengthens the hips it also strengthens the lateral core and things so i like i tend to really like preserving it for as often as i can but if i had somebody for whom i did think they needed more quad volume and their recovery capacity was worse then maybe i'd be inclined to just give them leg extensions and sack the unilateral stuff um so that just because it was overall easier and it would take less time, but I re- I wouldn't really want to do that. Is there an occasion that comes to mind for you? Literally the exact same. Like if if this that extra um, squatting volume is like beating up the hips, and then we can't get through that, you know, three sets of lunges or three sets of Bulgarians or whatever it is, and we need we want a little bit extra quad stimulus and keep the leg extensions in. But I would do the same same thing that you've done and bias it towards keeping the unilateral stuff in there. Yeah. Um, all right, bench. Exactly the same. We have six sets of um, accessory bench in the low frequency program. Uh, three sets of an accessory chest press. So this could be a dumbbell press, machine chest press, push-ups, uh, incline dumbbell, whatever. And then three sets of a non-specific press. So this might be like a landmine press, dumbbell shoulder press, overhead press. Yeah, stuff like else? that. No, that's... That's more or less it, yeah. Um, And then in the higher frequency program, we've only got the three sets of accessory chest pressing. Mm -hmm. Um, So the non-specific pressing is gone. Yep. Why are we getting rid of this and not the other way around? Uh, Add it again, shitty inflection. Why are we getting rid of this and not the other way around? Well, the reason is because... Okay, well, there's actually not a really strong reason. Um, Because like I said on day four... For some people, that incline press might be something that's more of a reaching movement, so a non-specific press or an overhead or a landmine or something like that. (laughs) (laughs) I just trolled you hard. Um, So yeah, that and the or another way to say it is the reason the accessory press is maintained is because that's about the amount of bench volume that I would normally give for most people. So if there was somebody who didn't actually need that much extra volume, then possibly I would get rid of the accessory press. And likewise, if they were somebody who I thought would benefit from doing some reaching work, then possibly I would replace that accessory press with that. But for the sake of the template and for the sake of the average person, this is about what it would look like. And the change, if I were to make it, would be on day four first. And then I would consider making the change to the accessory chest press on day one. See, I like to keep um, some overhead work in until the peak yep um so i'd probably take away the accessory chest press because we've got additional flat bench work in there for the pecs yep um so i'd probably bias it the other other way around but like again not a huge not a huge uh issue yeah well I don't, way. I don't have a huge issue with that either um all right so deadlift accessory work both programs have three sets of hamstring 
slash hinge, and another three sets of hamstring slash hinge. So three sets twice a week, six sets in total. Mm-hmm. Would you, for both programs, have like one hinge and then one like knee flexion? Or how would you? <laughs> that was another confusing inflection. Um, that would be usually the way I would do it. Um, we had a really confusing discussion about this off air where neither of us understood what the other was talking about. <laughs> or I definitely didn't understand Alex. So so my my question to you off air was... Well, I'm, can I phrase it in the way that no, I understood it? I haven't. I'm not going to read out what I've written because I okay. wrote retarded. Thank you. Sorry for saying retarded. Anyone who's politically correct out there? Or retarded. That might be offended. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Digby. <laughs> Go on. Um, so, for in the case of the squat and the bench press, we've added in additional work in the main lift, yep. and you've taken away accessory work yep. to compensate. Yes. For the deadlift, we've added in four sets of deficits. Yes. But you haven't taken away any of the accessory work to compensate. Why? Phrase like that, it makes so much sense. So I'm going to give you credit. So. So the reason is pretty much the same as what I said with the bench. um, In the case of the high-frequency example, you are presuming that somebody can tolerate more deadlifting, so you shouldn't really have to take away some deadlifting for them to do it. Like That seems to almost defeat the purpose of what you're doing. And because the total volume of deadlifting in the program is also lower, you don't really need to be as wary of the ceiling. That's a couple of reasons. Then the third one is at some point, you've got to look at the program and say, well, that's enough work. And if I keep adding stuff in, the days are either going to get too long or I'm going to have to start doing a fifth day. So that's the third reason. And then the fourth reason is if you kind of flip Alex's question, um, the question basically becomes, why have you preserved this extra hamstring work in the low frequency example when they can't handle as much deadlifting? And the reason is because in an ideal world, they would do a little bit more deadlifting than that they do in the program. And so by having a hinge accessory on day one, you give them a little bit more exposure to something that at least a tiny bit resembles the stress of deadlifting, even if it's not the same, even if it's like a barbell back extension or or whatever Good it happens to be. Or whatever. Yeah, something like that. Then at least you've just gotten some of the benefit that you otherwise might have had by doing some deadlifting in that template. So so that's the reason. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, it's, so, it's weird how we just... You know, microphone starts rolling and you and I, we can just more or less knock this out of the we park. We just click blammy. <laughs> blammy. I'm so glad that's catching on. Um, all right, let's take a quick break. Yep. And then we'll come back and talk about uh, more specifically which lifter suits, or what kind of lifter suits which program. For sure. It's episode 69. Oh, yeah. Episode 69. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Big Speak sucks. Kablamo. Back on air. Episode 69. (laughs) (laughs) I hope everybody liked the cover that we did in the break there. Anybody who didn't get it, it was Summer of 69. By Brian Adams. Not to be confused with Ryan Adams, who is also, I think, Canadian. He might be American, actually, but singer-songwriter. I don't know who Ryan Adams is. Really? Like, sort of country. I thought you were going to say Ryan Atwood. Who's Ryan Atwood? Oh, oh yeah. Oh, I thought you were talking about Ryan Atwood, the lifter. No, that's Taylor Atwood. Same thing. Not the same thing. 
Well, they're both American, kind of short. Fair. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. about all That's about as... <laughs> Alright, I'm <clears> sure <throat> if we dug deeper, we could find more similar with them. Like their surname, for starters. But let's talk about programming. And they both have good hair. Yeah, they do have kind of good hair. But only one of them has DM'd Chrissy. <laughs> Well, only one of them is actually a real person. Yeah, that's, well, that's true too. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's talk so about we are going to summarize, or we're going to finish this podcast talking about which type of lifter should try which type of program. Yeah. So let's talk about the lower frequency um, approach. You mentioned a little bit earlier, uh, someone who doesn't recover well and doesn't handle a lot of work mm-hmm. should be someone who would look at doing this program. Yeah. Are there any other considerations? That would be the main one. Um, I think in my ideal world, I mean, like my base template, and I think your base template as well, is people squatting and deadlifting twice a week each and benching three times, plus or minus pressing on a fourth day. Right. So in my ideal world, people look closer to the high-frequency example than the low one. But if people don't recover very well, then the low-frequency example could suit them. And then the other one is, like I said before, the time consideration. Um, doing an upper lower split like that, um, like the low frequency one takes less time if you're in a rush. And even if you're not in a rush and you just don't want to absolutely, you know, cram work in to get out of the gym, which I guess means you're in a rush a bit. Um, yeah, the low frequency example saves time, but the main one to me would be recovery considerations. Um, in this instance, the hypothetical level of strength for the two lifters is the same. But another instance in which perhaps... I could actually make the argument in both directions, so I will. But an, an instance in which the low-frequency template may suit someone better is if they're really, really strong and already quite technically proficient and then like they're not going to stay healthy for long doing high-frequency, relatively hard training. And then they can stay healthier doing a decent amount of bodybuilding work and they don't really need as much technique work to, to develop their base anymore. Um, so you could make the argument for a low-frequency template in that example, Just, but you could also make the argument for a high-frequency template in that example where you've said, well, this person's already really strong, so absolutely maximizing their proficiency at the lifts is going to be what takes them to the next level. And in the real world, I think people move more towards high-frequency, but I'm actually not certain whether that's because that's what's best or because that's what just the current lifting trope is i'm not certain um but i would lean towards moving someone to higher frequency and more specificity in that case but i could see the argument for the reverse then i had one more reason for the low frequency example and it was a good one but i can't remember it don't know um what do you well what do you think about that proposition i said your level of advancement so Imagine you knew how to lift really well and it was a matter of like your just your longer term health and ability to do hard training. You might think doing lower frequency training would make it more sustainable and allow you to do the hard work you have to to get better because you can only really overload once a week. And then the opposite argument would be, well, you just got to get really good at powerlifting and even if a lot of your sessions are easy, high frequencies to go and just fatigue manage better, you lose it. What do you think? Which way would you lean? Um, it depend. I think it depends on the lifter's body composition. Body composition. Mm. Okay. What a- and their star sign. Yes. But mostly body composition. Mostly. Definitely I, Virgos go for I, higher frequency. I what think. think? I yeah. I think someone with uh, poorer body composition should spend 
um, less time worrying about the specifics of technique for mm-hmm. until they have to, like in the peak. Yeah. Um, and would probably do better with the lower frequency approach. And um, someone who's like kind of sort of maxed out their body composition, I guess, or close to maxing out their body composition in a given weight class um, should go towards the higher frequency end because it's probably time for them to like really find their peak performance and find the optimal technique. Mm -hmm. So more times of training per week, each lift will be beneficial for them. Um, But I think like you can make an argument either way for anyone. Yeah. Um, Anyway. I agree. I actually agree broadly with what you've said. Someone, I guess, the other um, thing would be like someone who is really advanced and really, really strong. Yeah. And like you're never going to be, they're never going to squat three times a week. Doesn't matter how light those, you know, second and third sessions are. It's only going to be one heavy, one light. Yeah. Like that might be a justification for keeping them low frequency. Like they're just so strong and they accumulate so much fatigue with each overloading session that they just can't do three in a week. Well, can you think of many supers who actually train with high frequency? No. Like, I know Tony Reinmuth, Australia's strongest lifter in PA, squats once a week, deadlifts once a week, benches once a week. See, Shoot like... you not. But that doesn't, that doesn't actually surprise me. Because, again, when you listen, like I said, to these, like, people who were really strong 30 years ago, a lot of them were really fucking big as well. Mm. And they just like, you know, they do things hard once a week and do maybe some bodybuilding or some light mm. stuff on a second day because that's that's just the amount of time that it reasonably takes to recover from really, really hard work. Yeah, so I guess if you're really strong, really big, mm. you're going to accumulate more fatigue per rep. So you're not gonna be able to do as much work. Yeah. Which again is goes back to the first the reason for doing this program would be like you can't recover yeah, and likewise injury would tie into recovery so if you say well like if I squat more than twice a week or even once hard once easy you know my knees and my hips start to get really shitty that's actually that's partly an, yeah, but that, an issue yeah, of recovery that as well that would be like you're not recovering therefore you get hurt yeah but again the question is whether then that means that the high frequency one is actually optimal and you're moving away from it and in, I mean in my mind it's probably closer to optimal for most people but it's obviously a very long way from optimal for some people as well. And it's just when we consider one person of a given strength level, those differences aren't as highlighted. Mm. Yeah. Yep. I'm trying to think of any other reasons. Mm. I'd say they're the main ones. Maybe just someone who like is a bit lackluster with their technique. Like you could argue the other, you could argue that they should do higher frequency and improve their technique. Mm. but some people get to this like the sort of top of the intermediate and it's kind of hard to change their technique at this point Mm. and if their technique is kind of suboptimal and they're very inefficient they might not be able to do as much volume and therefore they get beat up more per rep and therefore they require more recovery therefore you can't give them the several doses a week that would be in the high frequency program yeah Um, and that also ties into the way you expressed it doesn't but in reality that ties into a dispositional thing which is some people like like being able to switch off and just train and do some grunt work and they can only concentrate on trying to like lift really well for so long and so you know if you give somebody one main lift and then say after this it's bodybuilding like go get a pump work hard then that's palatable and they do a high quality of pump work but if you said you're going to do one hard lift then rest 10 minutes and then do another hard lift but this one really focused on technique they go well fuck that I've already been trying really hard for the technique for 45 minutes like I'd 
I don't want to do that anymore. And so for them, even if it's a deviation from what you might think is optimal, it's more feasible and they get a good quality of work done in the work that they do. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool. Let's talk about the higher frequency approach. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, we've kind of alluded to this answering the about the low frequency approach um, in that someone who's going to be able to recover from more work should probably do more work more frequently. Are there any other sort of archetypes of lifters who would be suited to this higher frequency template? Um, well, again, looking at our example, we, to be honest, the main reason the example's there is so that you can equate the intens- intensities between them easily without me writing percentages. Um, but if you get away from that example, then the type of people this really suits are lighter weight lifters generally and females. Um, so just like Alex said, there are some big dudes who would just get so beaten up by doing the main lifts more than once a week that it's not feasible. In the case of some people, and particularly like, yeah, lighter weight women and light or middleweight men um, who are pretty athletic and stuff, you know, squatting three times a week is just no dramas at all. Um, just like the chicks on Instagram that train their booty four or five days, I look at that and go, how on earth can you survive doing that much work? For lots of people, it's just not that bad. So if you were if you were <clears throat> less strong in absolute terms, smaller, so you move the bar through a shorter range of motion, um, you know, and or female, and generally recover a little bit better, then the higher frequency one would really suit you very well. Um, and that also takes away a little bit of the time commitment of training because even if you are working up to relatively heavy weights. Um, if your 80% squat is like 100 kilos, it's not the same as when your 80% squat is 240 kilos in terms of warming up and time commitment and things. It's just not. So for you know for those people, basically. Yeah, you mentioned um, Instagram chicks training their ass four times a week. Yeah. And, you know, that's obviously like the extreme end of high-frequency um, training. Yeah. And if you are looking at this template and saying like, oh, okay, this is like quite high-frequency, might be quite hard, you can start off like and make your easier days really, really easy and start off by adding the frequency in that way. Um, doesn't have to go... You don't have to go straight to doing the full program. You could, you know, take off 10 or 15% intensity in that se- in all the secondary movements. Yeah. And once you can recover from that, then you can start to ramp it up because, you know, the example of those um, booty girls on Instagram, like, they didn't just jump into doing glutes you know, doing 10 sets of glutes five times a week, they probably started at one and then built up two, three, four, et cetera. So it's yeah. kind of the same sort of... Yeah, as their following came up and they needed more content. I actually, I did say Do earlier... Can they just lie about how much they do? I honestly don't. Um, no. You know what's the worst thing ever on Instagram fitness? What? Is people doing jump squats. I hate that. That's <laughs> my least favorite thing ever. There's a lot of things to do. Okay, a girl, I'm not going to call her out, but a girl that don't I used call to... call her out. I'm not, I want to get her right into the show. I want to create an internet shitstorm. We okay. We've never done that. Claim to fame, then. I used to teach drums to a not massively prominent, but an Instagram influencer from Sydney's Northern Beaches. And um, and she was actually, she was a nice girl, but I taught her drums when she was like seven or eight. And I still, still keep tabs on her on Instagram. And she posts some workout stuff. And she posted a workout the other day where she was doing the most useless... It was like you're in a in a um, like quadruped position, kicking one leg 
over the other basically over and over and it's meant to be like a glute meat exercise she was doing that whilst wearing a teeth whitener and then her next thing was her squatting to a high box like body weight while wearing a teeth whitener and stuff and it just with massive anterior pelvic tilt uh i don't think her technique was actually terrible i'll give her that but it was that to me was just the neck level of like useless exercise followed by potentially useful i don't know if teeth whitening stuff works but at potsy tell us if teeth whitening stuff works yeah anyway um sorry i was saying before in a productive rant that in a throwaway line i kind of said that about twice a week seems to be all the exposure to training most people that need to maximize strength and muscle adaptations that's probably a little bit flippant because like i said i said almost straight after something contradictory which is that doing more frequency lets people get through more productive volume um and gives them more benefits so what i actually suspect is the case is if your volume needs are high enough and you can recover enough from overloading sessions then doing overloading sessions like more or less optimally overloading sessions as frequently as you can gives you about the best gains and then that actually dictates how much volume you should do per week um i was going somewhere with that alex and it'd be helpful if you weren't looking for this instagram influencer while i was while i was saying it um blah blah optimal training working up to it oh yeah so um so yeah the the danger i guess the flip side of that is the danger with like fetishizing high frequencies it drives people to think that they have to do more volume or they have to train more frequently to maximize their return when they might may not necessarily have reason to think that they need to do more frequency and they may not have reason to think that they need to do more volume and if you are currently progressing on a relatively low frequency approach um, at a decent rate and your volume per session is tolerable and you enjoy your training and you don't have a strong indication that you need to do more, then I wouldn't be inclined to make huge changes. And when you do get to the point where you're like, well, I can't really add much more volume per session because like just doing a seventh set of squats is really hard. And I do think I need a little bit more work because I'm feeling really recovered all the time and my numbers are about stalling. And I think that unless I just build a slightly bigger base, I'm never going to peak any higher Or you think, look, I just need some more practice with the things that I'm doing to actually get technically competent at them. And my issues aren't to do with just general movement and like muscular weakness and stuff. I literally just need a bit of technique work. Then at that point, you might start experimenting with adding frequency, like Alex said, conservatively. Um, But until you have those indications, the efficacy of your training is evidenced by the fact that you are progressing in it. And just like at the end of these blocks, I've started putting in those sets that give you an indication of whether you've actually gotten better Um, if you are looking across your training logs and you're like, well, all my rep numbers are getting better pretty well always, you know, over the longer term and like my competition numbers and stuff are getting better. And I'm, I'm doing this lower frequency approach that Will and Alex said might not be quite as good for most people. Like, unless you're really interested in experimenting and possibly giving up those gains to see if higher frequency is better for you, I would just stay the course. Like you're doing great, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so yeah. But also high frequency might help sometimes. <laughs> Just to completely... And if you're not sure, hire a coach. <laughs> yeah. How, how are you doing? How are, are your coaching stables full? Uh, I could have a few. Yeah, I could deal with one or two more as well. Yeah, there you go. Weekly wait, special coaching offer. There's no special. We're just <laughs> yeah. offering coaching. <laughs> no, no discount. <laughs> yeah. Um, do you have anything more to say? No, I think we've, um, I think we've done a good job. Okay, cool. I will say one more thing, not to do with the programs. If you got this far into the podcast and you didn't have the program, respect. Go to yeah, my... What the fuck are you doing? <laughs> yeah, what are you, you must love us. Um, 
go to my Instagram page, click on the website. There's a link tree and put yourself on the weekly weights mailing list. Um, I will send out a couple of batches of emails with the program attached. So hopefully you will get it. And then that way you can re-listen to this episode because you must obviously fucking love us and have the program in front of you. Or at the very least, you can look at it and see what we were talking about. Um, And then a little bit more of a plug of my own content. If you like this episode and you want to see some, some more like theoretical discussions of what good programming entails and some practical examples, I've also written some content for Luke Tullick's, um, who's been on our show twice now. Luke Tullick's, I think it's called something like Exercise Fundamentals um, website. Fun- Isn't it Programming Fundamentals? No, Programming Fundamentals is a module. Fitness Fundamentals is what it's called, his new website. You can also find that on the link tree in my Instagram bio and check that out if that's interesting to you. There's a lot of education content on it and soon to be more stuff just like this. Um, Otherwise, we'll be back next week. I'm Will. I'm Alex. Kablammy and goodbye.